0: Join From Beer to the Bible every week as Irvin Lee and co-host Sarah Olivera McDonald warn others of the consequences of drug and alcohol addiction by being the voice of faith-based recovery. Every week, Irvin and Sarah help people get access to the treatment and counseling they so desperately need. They explore the depths of addiction and give practical life examples of how to recover and develop a new rhythm of living. The show is gritty, authentic, and simply raw while being rooted in the love, faith, and hope of God. Welcome to From Beer to the Bible.
1: Welcome. I'm your host, Urban Leah, from Beer to the Bible, and I got my faithful co-host, Sarah, with me. Hi, guys. Hey, well, Sarah, I'm so excited today, but before we do anything, let's anchor ourselves in the Word of God.
2: We're coming to you from Colossians 2, 6 and 7 today. Yes, Freedom from rules and new life in Christ. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built upon him. Then your faith will grow strong in truth, in the truth that you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness.
1: Ooh, I love that word. I'm I'm super excited. That our show lines up with the Word of God. Well, what our topic is today is how does culture affect addiction? How does culture affect addiction? I know this is near and dear to both of our hearts. And we look at culture, and culture is our set of beliefs and what we believe and how we see things, you know, our, our lens of how we see it. And I think I myself, being African American, black person, and then you yourself being Hispanic, that we have a lot to share on this issue. So I want to open it up, Sarah, by asking you, what do you recall and what was a day in your life like when you were in your active addiction?
2: A day in the life of my active addiction was just pure chaos. Um, And culturally speaking, I think looking back, you know, growing up there was a lot of of chaos in my life, you know, from the very beginning. Not that it was intentional. It was just, you know, you're Hispanic and a lot of the culture is parties, um, gatherings, big family fights, big family, Dinners, fights yep. over dinner, yep. um, getting together for every holiday and yep. alcohol being the center of everything. Mm,
1: yes, yes. You you hit the, the greatest mistake that I see being made and that I made in my active addiction was building my life around drugs and alcohol. And I remember people saying to me, hey, do you guys do anything else besides drink and party? And as I look back on it, no, and that was acceptable in in my culture. Absolutely,
2: yeah, it was very acceptable. And you know, I too look back, and I don't remember there being a time where it wasn't at the center or the yeah. core. It was fun. It was lively. It was what got people talking. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's just something that was passed down from generation to generation. It wasn't something that nobody intended that to happen. Yes. But as a as a child, I remember romance romanticizing alcohol at a very young age yep. and doing what I do now, um, I look back and I see that as being a problem. Yep. And I can see how a lot of children aren't aware that that is going on. Yeah. And it sets us up for failure.
1: <laughs> it really does. And as I look back over my life and I look at like my male role models and I look at their coping mechanisms, right? I think one of the things I see missing in our culture was the ability to deal with the stress, the pressure of life. And then the way I saw them internalize that was they were always drinking. Yeah. So in my mind, my default mechanism kind of over time, my coping mechanism became alcohol. Absolutely. Right. And I think. I see young people now because there's so much information, there's so much distraction, and there's so much pressure on them to be perfect because of social media. And I watched them kind of make the mistakes that we made, which was putting drugs and alcohol at the center when truthfully. The word of God says that he's supposed to be the center, right? When we get stressed out, Mm. when we have problems, we're to go to the word of God and then spend time with the Lord in prayer. And I I just think that the ability to cope with everything that we're dealing with has to be greater than the desire to, to party and to use drugs and alcohol.
2: Yeah. I mean, I grew up Catholic and the Word of God was instilled in me from a very, very young age. Mm -hmm. I mean, reading stories of the Bible, going to Mass every Sunday, Mm -hmm. those were things that were at the foundation, Mm -hmm. uh, very important to my family, um, as well as alcohol. I remember every Christmas Eve, everybody would, you know, party and drink and have a great time. And then know, dread getting up the next morning because everybody had to go to church. Same Mm -hmm. thing with Good Friday, Easter Sunday.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Um, And, you know, looking back now being in recovery, I see how everybody was hungover, you know, at church. And that being funny (laughs) and acceptable. And my cousins and I used to be at the back of the church kind of joking with each other like, oh, gosh, here we go. You know, looking pretty rough. Yeah. um, But still making it to Mass. And, you know... I just, I kind of feel bad because I feel like I let the Lord down, but yeah. that was part of it, yeah. you know?
1: Yeah. I,
2: the the other thing
1: that is missing, so we, we see in our cultures, both of them, where we put alcohol at the center, then we use it as a coping mechanism, and then some of us fall into addiction. And then the challenge becomes, what happens to the person who happens to fall in addiction in our cultures, because this is just the facts, most of us do not get treatment. And talk a little bit about the challenge of being from where we're from and then you fall into addiction and then what do we do and how do we do it in the response of our family?
2: Well, I was the first one in my family to get help and go through Mm -hmm. um, treatment and recovery and sobriety, and I think that was very difficult for my family. First of all, in my culture, everybody sweeps everything under the rug. We don't talk about our feelings. We don't talk about problems. Um, We just pick up by our bootstraps and move forward. Um, we get the cards that were dealt, yeah. and um, I remember my mom telling us that. And I know that she was she's a very private person, and yep. going through this, nobody really knew. Like it was, what are they going to think about me? Yeah. What are they going to think about my daughter? What are they going to yep. think about my family? Um, what are they going to think about me as a parent? Yeah, because I didn't do something right. Yeah, and that's not the case. We don't talk about um, generational the generational aspect of. Um, Addiction. And, you know, I started asking questions when I got sober about other family members who might have gone through some of this. And, Mm -hmm. but that, again, that wasn't spoken about. It was just like we've talked about before crazy drunk uncle or crazy, you know, grandpa. And and that's just how things were. Yeah. Um, But the funny thing about it is that in my family, three of my um, cousins Mm -hmm. on the same line are Mm -hmm. in recovery. And, that's kind of crazy. It's not just by chance, you know, it was me. And then my cousin, you know, a a little, a few years later struggled. And I'm just so thankful that I got to experience that and have that experience where I could mentor her and talk about this. And so now today, me being in the role that I am, um, we talk about it in my family. And it took me having the courage and the Lord knew I could handle this because, um, today, I'm I'm very much so the person in the family that talks about addiction and that mm-hmm. it runs in our family yeah. and that there is help for that. And if you see these signs, this is why and um, trying to change that, you yeah. know, in my family.
1: You hit on a subject near and dear to my heart. There is a lack of transparency in yes. the black community as well within my family. I never knew that my grandfather was uh, raging, you know, on the street alcoholic. That probably would have been helpful information to, to having to know. And I too was first in my family to go to treatment center probably, and I'm from a town of about 6,500 people, probably one of the first people to actually go to a treatment center. And I remember certain family members saying to me, don't go to treatment. What we're gonna do is we're gonna pray. Uh-huh. And I said, don't you think I have been praying? The Lord could have reached down and touched me, but he chose a different path for me. And that was to go to a treatment center and to work in and through people. And I think I, in our in the way I grew up and in my culture, prayer is always first, the Lord is always first. And I appreciate that as a the ultimate coping mechanism, but you also need, the Bible says there's faith, but faith without works is dead, right? And a part of that works is taking steps of faith to use the resources that God has kind of ordained all throughout um, the the resources that are available for one to receive treatment, right? And that's kind of how I had to explain it to, like I'm not saying the Lord can't heal me, He is, but it will be in and through the treatment center path and I got to treatment and I was looking for other people that looked like me. And then I was also looking for the counselors and the chaplains that looked like me. And lo and behold, (laughs) fortunately for me, when I got to the treatment center, there was four other black guys probably about five or six Hispanics, and then the staff was kind of littered with Hispanics and African-Americans. So it made me feel like I wasn't alone. And talk about the importance of letting them know, and I'm so happy that we have you because you work in the treatment field, right? And and with the treatment center, a great one, by the way. Um, Talk about the importance of when we do get ourselves into treatment, the importance of seeing yourself without I mean, within all of the different resources of recovery.
2: Yeah. So what I want to say first is that, you know, you spoke on the Lord being our anchor and, you know, that foundation of Christ and my parents instilling that stuff in me aided in my recovery and my treatment. So, you know, if you're a parent out there, um, you're not doing anything wrong and you didn't do anything wrong. Mm. Um, if you're not hearing, the word of the Lord in your active addiction right now, there's a reason for that, too. And, you know, that's a that's a lot to take in because I knew I had conviction by the Holy Spirit throughout my addiction. When I was, you know, in my isolation in in my darkest moments, I had the conviction Mm -hmm. of the Holy Spirit to say, you need help. Mm -hmm. You need to get out of this situation. Maybe you are an alcoholic, but then you had the other side that was like, "No, you're not worthy. Yeah. You you don't have what it takes to get sober. Mm-hmm. Um, you're a sh- I'm ashamed of you." You know all those little things yeah. that we talk about. Um, but as far as treatments concerned, um, there is help out there, and yeah. you know, just getting to that place to be willing to go is yeah. the first step. Yeah. And then, you know, in treatment, there's Christ-centered treatment centers, yeah. and there's twelve-step recovery and treatment centers that might get you, you know, to to Christ again. There's there's a lot of different pathways. Is I guess what I'm trying to say, and they're all important. For me personally, I met Jesus again in treatment, and yes. it changed my life. Yeah. You know, I um, was filled with the Holy Spirit again. Um, I saw my purpose for the first time in a long time. That yeah. light started to shine in, um, and little by little, I started getting better. You mm-hmm. know, and little by little, I started feeling worthy, mm. and then. You know, lo and behold, I have 30 days sober. Yep. And then next thing I know, I have, you know, three months sober. Yes. And then next thing I know, because I kept doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. I anchored myself in the Lord again. Yep. I anchored myself in the Bible, the life mm-hmm. recovery Bible. Um, I anchored myself in 12 step recovery. I used the tools that the treatment center gave me to yep. stay sober. Um, And, you know, it was hard for me because like you said, there wasn't Hispanics in my treatment center. I think that the Lord used this for me to be able to minister to people in my culture. And it's so funny because, um, Irvin and I talk about this all the time. We didn't plan for he and I to be a black man and a Hispanic woman talking to you guys about from beer to the Bible. This is just funny how god put this together um one day we were just like oh yeah, this is kind of, this is cool. This is a yeah. thing and let's talk about this. And uh, we just want more people in our culture to know that they're not alone, they can get help. Yeah. Um, we all have a story, we all have the crazy family dynamics. <laughs> yes. um, and I think the more we talk about those things, yes. the more that it becomes acceptable to get help and acceptable to go to treatment or go to 12 step recovery or mm-hmm. go to the church and ask for help. Um, yes. And I think another thing that's really important is that I did pray. You know, I prayed for this to go away. Mm -hmm. And. A lot of times the church talks about addiction being sin. Mm -hmm. And while it is sin, it is very much so a disease, just like cancer, just like diabetes. You Mm -hmm. need to go to treatment, which is the hospital, to get help to show you how to stay sober and have long-term sobriety. And that's the thing that we don't talk about and a lot of churches don't know about. And so that's why you know we started this ministry is to be able to educate you guys a little bit on our story because we did go that path. Um, and I remember going to a women's retreat, and it was very hard for me to stay sober for four days in a yeah. women's retreat because yeah. I was in active alcoholism. Yeah. And the Lord took me through that, but it did not keep me sober. Yeah. It, I think it set the tone for eventually, eventually accepting help. Yeah. Um, but it didn't keep me sober and that is because Mm -hmm. the disease of alcoholism is a very real disease that you have to go and get proper treatment for
1: you you really do and that's uh that's wonderful and uh, you said a lot let me impact a, a couple of things one is this notion of conviction by the holy spirit because i have it most of us have it if you believe in the lord you'll hear the voice but remember that the holy spirit with his conviction and his correction comes the comfort right it's not condemnation the condemnation that you may be hearing that voice is the devil yes. the enemy himself so make sure you separate the, that out and i love to tell anyone suffering from addiction what i needed to hear is god's not mad at you yes god is not mad at you he accepts you and he is asking you through us to come to him and let him bear your burden and let him lead you down the path of recovery. And if you do need help, you can always reach out to us at frombeer to And then within the process of our culture as it relates to okay, we we both got treatment, we both come back and I know I remember my family and everyone being very protective of me. <laughs> like what's in that cup? What's in that drink? Yeah. And I I appreciated that because it showed that they cared. And oftentimes when I run into people of color, like us, who are in uh, treatment and then they transition to recovery, your family and their role that they play in your active recovery is so important. So talk a little bit about that, Sarah.
2: Uh, Well, same thing happened for me. I mean, my family was very protective of just being anonymous and me not having you know, the word alcoholic (laughs) on her forehead, which I did. Um, So there was that, and then, you know, the whole not having any um, alcoholic beverages in in the apartment, and my fiance not drinking, and, you know, them acting weird when I would go around them for family functions. And, you know, I, as soon as I (laughs) stepped into treatment and surrendered, And the Lord came back into my life fully, yeah. and I got out of His way and let Him take control. Yeah, I didn't want to drink anymore. Yeah. That craving was gone. Yeah. and so you know, I, I'd I'd educate him. I'd have to tell him like, it's okay. Like, I don't want it. Don't worry. You know, yeah. I'm not gonna yeah. relapse. And, um, but that it was hard. It was weird. It yeah. was you know, you don't want to be that person because then people are dancing around you, yeah. and um, it's really hard to function as a sober person with people. <laughs> secretly talking, you know, that they're talking Whispery, to them. Yeah, whispering <laughs> <Yeah>. behind
1: <laughs> our backs and I, you know, it's a, I call it that period of adjustment and, I said to myself, I'm not going to be anonymous. I'm going to tell everybody. Yes, me too. Because that takes the pressure off me and I want the pressure to be off them. And I said, look, if you have a drink or you want to drink, that's okay. Yeah. I'm not infringing upon your right to drink if you don't drink alcoholically, right? And yeah. you don't have the disease. So once I did that and I set the parameters, look, I can never have another drink again, one day at a time. So don't ever offer me alcohol. If you do, I'm out, I'm not coming around anymore. And the other thing that I said that was key to helping me early on in sobriety was, even if I ask you in a moment of weakness for a drink, the answer is no, No. and then call my wife and get me back somewhere, some sort of treatment so that I don't relapse. And that took a lot of pressure off And then I think people have to learn to relate to the new Sarah, right? I had one of my friends say, you know, I'm really struggling. And I said, what are you struggling about? He said, I'm struggling on, I don't know how to deal with the new urban. And I said, you know, I understood that, but I'm like, I'm just not drinking. You know, you, you really get to see what I have found is my personality was one thing when I was drinking. Yeah. And it's, it's totally different when I'm not, right? So I think having our friends and family aligning their support, you know, cause you, you stated it earlier, in our culture, we're always together, right? Yeah. And there's always food, there's always laughter, but there's usually always alcohol. So integrating ourselves back into that environment, I would say to anyone who's doing that now, it's a process allow it to play itself out and be patient with those that you love and those that love you. And I want to transition a little bit and talk about your parents, the role that they play, and then address this as well. Any issue, kind of shame or, or blame that sometimes our parents are like, well, what did I do wrong yeah. with him or her? Just talk about those two areas.
2: Um, you know, thinking back, my parents were very, very supportive. They mm-hmm. were just scared. They were yeah. living in fear. They thought I was going to die. Yeah. This isn't the person that they knew or they yeah. raised. Because for me, and a lot of women, it happens very quickly. Yeah. So my alcoholism, you know, within two years got really bad. It, yeah. It went from, you know, drinking at work to being a party girl to, you um, it just, you know, downhill very, very fast <laughs> yeah. to where I was physically dependent on alcohol. I couldn't yeah. eat without it. I couldn't sleep without it. Yeah. I wake up with the shakes. Yeah. It was awful.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, I mean, it still gives me just a gut-wrenching feeling yeah. to think about that. And, um, but they were very supportive throughout the whole process. They wanted me to get help. Um, I could do it on my own. You know, it was that whole battle. I think they, I know that they prayed very hard for me Mm -hmm. and that faith sustained them and helped them get through everything. And it helped me, for God to intervene, you know, when the time was right, you have to remember that it might not be somebody's time. They might not hear the message and we have to get out of their way, right? Yeah. Um, I think for, you know, at first, my parents were pouring the alcohol down the drain, (laughs) finding the alcohol, um, shaming me, guilting me, uh, you know, wagering with me to go to treatment. So, you know, all the things that we do, Um, I think whenever, I heard the message and I heard the calling was um, finally, they did an intervention on me and I was at the point of being sick and tired of being sick and tired. I did not want to drink anymore. I knew at that point that I had become an alcoholic and they actually um, got a black gentleman to come to my house and do an intervention and he saved my life. And he just told me everything was going to be okay. Um, you know i i had a a very successful job before Mm -hmm. as well and you know i don't know what you think treatment is but it is just like going away to summer camp and it's going to get your sense of self back and Mm -hmm. um, it's going to be okay and it was i finally just surrendered i accepted the help and that was it i mean honestly i felt more love Stepping on the grounds of that treatment center than I have felt (laughs) in the last two years of being in that dark spot and that's everything that I needed Um, and I knew everything was going to be okay as soon as I said yes and I think it was just that moment of surrender Um, and so. So, yeah, now today my parents are just so thrilled. I mean, seeing the work that I do now, I went from that to then wanting to become a counselor in drug and alcohol treatment and yeah. then working in a drug and al- alcohol treatment center. Mm-hmm. Um, now I get people into treatment for a living Um, it is my calling just like you said I I'm don't shame away from the fact that I'm an alcoholic I talk about it all the time I never wanted to put that um, parameter on me because there is a lot of you know there's shame associated with that and um, I didn't want that and so and I knew that God didn't want that for me I knew that he wanted me to shout from the rooftops what he had done for me you know and now my parents, you know, they, even the show, they're just like, "Oh my goodness, like <laughs> what is going on?" So God fully restored that relationship. He fully restored me. Yeah. He fully restored them. Um, they now know my purpose and what that alcoholism yeah. did in my life and what I'm doing now. Um, and they're very proud of me.
1: I let's talk. I want to talk directly to the parents now. Having a son or a daughter who is suffering from addiction is no different than having a son or daughter who is lost. Mm -hmm. Because they are lost, they happen to be lost and addicted and afflicted with a disease. So just like you would pray, wait, and trust the Lord to bring your prodigal home, pray, wait, trust the Lord, use the resources that are available to you, like this resource, and wait for the Lord to take them through and do his work. Yes. And you and I both know, and my parents will tell you the work sometimes that the Lord has to do in and through us to get us to the place of surrender is painful. Yes. It's painful to watch. I'm wa- I watched him do it in myself. And now I'm watching it, him do it to people that I love and I care a lot about, but we have to allow the Lord to do his work and for People of color and in our culture, it is not okay for us to have the drunk uncle, the drunk cousin. We have to, in love, let them know that there are resources available. And then in love, allow them to go to treatment without shame, without regret. Even if we don't understand, just know that when they seek these resources, God has ordained these resources to help them overcome their addiction.
2: Yep. Absolutely. I know that, you know, we talk about this, the Bible talks about this, but there you have to suffer. And I didn't know yeah. what that meant until Ooh. I went through this whole experience. The word you know, in suffering we get closer to Christ. And yeah. that is that is such my experience is the truth. Yeah. Is, you know, when I suffered, when I sought out for him, he restored me wholly. Mm-hmm. Holy, in yeah. every inch of my body, I wanted to scream from the rooftops <laughs> what he had done for me. It and did. it was just, a it was a simple, yes, I will go get help. Yeah. And that whole feeling, that hole that I was filling with alcohol was just immediately filled with Jesus Christ, yeah. the Holy Spirit, yeah. and I wanted more of that, <laughs> and more of that, and more of that. Every time I went to church oh. after I got sober, yeah. I would cry. Oh, I'm All the songs just hit my heart, um, and I'm just so thankful. I'm very thankful because he fully restored me, and uh-huh, you know yeah. now I see, you know what yeah. the Bible says is is a living truth living. in my it's, life.
1: It's living, it's breathing, and it's active. And you touched on a subject that is just not popular because there's this prosperity gospel. God wants you to be happy. God wants everything to be great. Yes, but. The Bible also says Christ learned obedience through suffering. Yes. I myself would have never surrendered to the Lord, nor come back to the Lord without alcoholism. I thought I'd never be able to sit here and say to you all and to Sarah that I am so happy that I fell into alcoholism because Mm -hmm. through that, I discovered my strength, my purpose, and God's assignment for me all through alcoholism, and it allow God to start to do the work in me to get me to finally say, hey, God, I surrender. I made a mess of this thing. Please come in and restore, resurrect, and renew me. And yep. he's done it for the both of us. And as we get ready to close, what would you say to, and I want you to talk specifically to the women of color, because That's probably a whole nother show, but give them some encouragement and let them know that if you are suffering from any type of addiction, it's it's okay to seek treatment.
2: Well, I think a a lot of it is just being truthful, and we as women want to connect with other women, so please connect with me, connect with other women, share your story, because Mm -hmm. your story is powerful, and there is truth in that story, and God is in that story, and so I want everybody to know that it's okay, it's, you know, a lot of, as soon as I got out of treatment, I started doing women's Bible studies, and, I started talking about me being an alcoholic and when I shared other women started to share about their ism. And so some of it was infidelity, some of it was eating disorder, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever it was, we started to share and talk and, gather resources and help each other out. And that's what we're here for. Mm-hmm. And that's what women are supposed to do. That's how God designed us, is yeah. to have connection. Mm-hmm. And so many times we isolate ourselves yeah. um, in shame or in guilt or when we are in our addiction. And that is not, that's something of this world yeah. that God never intended us to do. Yeah. So I just want everybody to know that, um, let me be that woman to help you. If mm-hmm. you need to reach out to us, reach out to us. And, um, it's, it's in speaking your truth that you're gonna find Christ.
1: Yes, and I wanna let all the men know that not only are you hurting yourself when you fall into addiction, you are to be the head of the household. So you are hurting your family and you are affecting your family for generations. And a generation of my family was almost lost because I fell into alcoholism, which also came with it was the depression And then the conviction of how could I let this happen? And all the time I was so focused on myself that I didn't keep my focus on Christ. So we are supposed to keep our eyes and our focus on Christ and allow Christ to work in and through us. So I want to encourage you today to let you know, there is help there is resources available. You can reach both of us at FromBeerToTheBible.com. You can support us at our YouTube channel and we would encourage you guys to like and share. And then if it is put on your heart to support us, you can also donate and support us at HamptonMinistries.org. But I want to give not just men of color, women of color, but anyone who is suffering from addiction, what we both needed, and you hear us talk about it all the time, the love, we love you. The yep. faith is in Christ Jesus. And our eternal hope, our enabling, our empowering, and equipping is by the Holy
0: Spirit. We love you guys, and we'll see you next week. Hi. Thank you for tuning in to this week's From Beer to the Bible. Make sure to tune in next week when Irvin and Sarah gift you with even more addiction recovery information. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And remember, we're always there for you.